0: Well, greetings and welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredlin, Delighted that you have decided to join us as we get to know a little bit about Jonathan Kim, his background, his style, some of the things that he finds as keys to his success and some of the biggest mistakes that he sees in others. For those of you who don't know Jonathan, he just finished second in the MSPT on Sunday, April 30th. And just last December, he won the MSPT, so he's on a very good run lately. A business guy who plays part-time poker and can really relate to the process of growing your game over time. So with that, I want to quick thank the Free Poker Network, who's been sponsoring the Rec Poker Podcast. Thanks to all of you guys out there who are are doing that, who are helping many people get into the game, learn the game, work on some things, and doing it for free. Well, ultimately, maybe winning a seat in Las Vegas. So, thanks to you guys. You can find the Rec Poker podcast through Twitter at Rec Poker. We have a Facebook group. You can follow us on uh, on iTunes or Stitcher wherever you get your podcasts. So, uh, so join the discussion. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you want to hear, and we'll keep getting better, hopefully, uh, as we continue going forward. But thanks for your support, the encouragement. I appreciate all the kind words, and so with that, let's join the interview that I had with Jonathan Kim. All right, well, sitting here with John Kim, uh, one of the familiar faces around the Minnesota poker community, and first of all, just thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Trying to make it...
0: Try to get the. Now, this is actually a pretty good timing because we had planned to get together and do this before you just finished second in the MSPT this past weekend. Right, right. So, so there must be a correlation. Well, I try to say that I try to tell people you play All In for Africa, which yeah. you just did, and you right. were a bounty, and I appreciate your generosity yeah, no, on that no deal problem. as we changed the world. But I tell people you play All In for Africa. You interview on rec poker good things are gonna happen and right. it seems like there is a correlation <laughs> people get interviewed and they, they run deep the so. stats are there the stats are there yeah, I need yeah. to do some statistical analysis right. you'll appreciate right. that Backstory, background sure <laughs> right. yeah. we'll draw some correlation and maybe not causation but at least correlation right we'll, we'll go from there but thanks seriously yeah no thanks problem. for taking the time no congratulations problem. on Thank that, you Thank that you. deep run later maybe we'll get a little bit into sure. that and then talk about some of hands I saw some of the final table sure but then I had to go to bed okay. I don't know how you got up the next morning but did you work the next I morning? Did. I
1: did I didn't go to work the next morning
0: what time did you actually get to bed then? um
1: actually so we were having drinks after i think the chairman got over on 12 31 yeah and uh i was there till like three in the morning okay um having drinks with brian Molesky and the, the whole crew and Chad and i saw vic in the right. picture and vic and uh sam doselba okay so Fun. yeah i only got probably like three hours of sleep okay
0: it was worth it yeah 60-some K? 66,000.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: How is it that Vic ends up in all of the pictures? Is it just because he's such a great supporter and just a great guy? Yeah, he's a good friend
1: of mine, and um, he might have a vested interest.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Free drinks. I'm sure that's what we're talking <laughs> exactly. about, right? I'm sure exactly. that's what we're talking about. That's fantastic. But now he's another one of the really good guys in poker. I just for sure. really enjoy. For he sure. he owns my soul. He takes all my chips yeah. at the table, but yeah. but good guy. Yeah. Well maybe just, just by way of introduction, for those of you who don't know you, and I don't know you very mm-hmm. well at all either. Mm-hmm. A little bit your your background, mm-hmm. you know, is, is poker a full time thing for you or a part time thing? What do you do outside of poker? And how did you get into poker? And sure. tell sure. us a little bit about your story getting here, whatever you want sure. to share.
1: So I probably been playing since like 2007-ish, um, maybe a year before then. So mm-hmm. roughly about 10 years. Uh, I started playing online. So Ultimate Bet, okay. for those of you yep. remember that one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, playing just like, you know, six six-handed sit-and-goals and then maybe just some smaller buy-in tournaments.
0: So is that how you learned the game, or did you learn the game outside of that? No, or just uh, that was part of it, and yeah. then
1: of course there was a lot of home games going on, you know, yeah. it was during the money maker days. Okay. So um, we, I played like weekly, you know, fifty dollar, hundred dollar um, tournaments yeah. with buddies. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. Okay, and yeah. so
0: have you been playing? More lately, less lately. Have you been building into this over the last ten years, or?
1: Uh, I would say, for sure, the higher buy-in amounts. um, I would say, probably the last three, four years um, Mm -hmm. were, yeah, steadily increasing to you know, like the eleven hundred dollar buy-in. And is that
0: because you have a bankroll that's growing, or just your confidence in the game is growing? Uh, I'd say both. Yeah. Yeah. Combination of the two. And so do you travel? I know you play the MSPTs locally, at least that's mm-hmm. where I've seen you generally. Do you actually travel with some of the tours and go to some of their other stops, or are you pretty local?
1: Uh, no, I do. I've gotten to the Moskwaki one quite a bit. That's at Iowa? Iowa. Okay. And then um, I went to, when they had it at whole chunk I've been to that one a couple times. Okay. But, yeah, primarily like to keep it pretty close. I don't, like, travel too far for Yeah. Them. Like, I haven't been to the one in Michigan yet or... Is that fire firekeepers or any of okay. those other ones,
0: and is that now you have a full time job too? Correct. Correct. People may not know that. I, I always wonder about that because I'm new to the poker community, sure, more or less. Sure. And you see people having these big scores, and you're like, oh, they must be pro. Right. You, Paige and Lou, some right. of these guys, right. and you realize, oh no, these are people that have full time jobs right. and they're Just playing regular on Regular everyday people. Regular everyday people that, that seem to that's, be poker that's geniuses. what the
1: MSPT right caters to because it's yeah. so nice because you can you know theoretically have a full time job and still play these events and. Not interfere with your job and, you know, being able to, unless you work weekends or whatever right. you
0: So, now, do you play any weekly tournaments at all, or is it mostly just main event stuff on the weekends?
1: Uh, no, I do. I try to play, like, once a week. Um, usually, for sure, the Saturday morning at Canterbury. Uh, okay. It's the 180. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At, at 1030 in the morning. I like to play the Wednesday night one, but that one just goes too late, the 235. Yeah. I mean, it chops at like three in the morning, so it's 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 difficult when you wake up at six thirty in the morning. Yeah, uh, it makes for a long day the following day. Yeah,
0: you and I are in the same boat there. Yeah. I've I've played a few of those, and you end up getting home at two three in the morning, and yeah, right. right. get up you know about that time right. as well. I'm like, oh. So yeah, those are the okay. two.
1: Um, you know, once in a rare moon, I'll play maybe the one fifty double stack at Running Aces. Okay, but proximity-wise, I play mostly at Canterbury just because. I live closer to Canterbury, and right. it's triple the drive time to Running Aces.
0: Right, it's got to be pretty uh, a pretty good value for you to drive there and, and play that. Exactly, right? exactly. Okay, yeah. and so you're playing once a week ish. You're playing right around there. Yeah. Either the the two hundred dollars or the eleven hundred dollar buy, and that's that's your range. Are you doing anything online at this point? No, no. Okay, just yeah. kind of let that go once.
1: Yeah, I don't really have any interest in online. Um, I enjoy the live aspect um, so much more, and just. I mean, it's so iffy, so to speak. I mean, right. I wouldn't want to keep any too much funds in any account, right? Because obviously, it feels Black like any Black Friday. Time. You know, yeah, you just don't know.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, how did you get? What was the interest in poker? You said, you know, some buddies were playing. You're playing a little bit online, but something must have caught you. Were you a game player already? Was it the money maker thing? What What caught yeah, your attention? Yeah, I would
1: say just yeah, watching it on TV on ESPN, um, and then just kind of getting. You know, interested by watching other players play, and then just the—I mean, I—the reason I like it too is the dynamics of the game. There's so many different personalities that play the game, yeah. and so many walks of life too, right? Yep. You have some billionaires playing next to you, and yeah. you might have someone that's close to being homeless. Yeah. And anywhere, sure. yeah. anywhere yeah. in sure. between. So I really enjoy um, that aspect of it. Um, you know, just different dynamics, and then also—I mean—I like to have fun at the table. Yeah. you It's—it's know, it's a great. For me, it's kind of a stress reliever. Yeah, um, you know, where you just can kind of block out everything that's going on and just kind of play cards and have fun.
0: Right. If you if you have a sort of sort of job that that I've had in the past and maybe that what you have as well. The poker decisions, although stressful, are way less stressful than the daily decisions that you're making. Right. It's it's funny for some people to, you know, when when they hear you say, "Well, this is actually fun for me," even though you're making what could be stressful decisions. Right. Because relative to the rest of life, it's actually pretty relaxing. Exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So, do you do World Series of Poker at all? I do. Um, So I've probably gone the last uh, five, six years. Okay. And uh, typically play a couple, two, three events. Um, Okay. You go out for a week at a A time? A week, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, what do you got planned this if if you're willing to share? Sure. Um,
1: Actually, it's already booked. So, um, this was booked prior to anything that happened this past Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Which makes it easier. Right. Uh, Going out June 9th through the 18th. Um, the one I'm really interested in or excited about is the marathon event.
0: We're going to be out there during the same time. Okay, great. great. Okay,
1: We'll have to meet up for a drink.
0: Yeah, I'd love that. Are yeah. you deciding if you're playing it or not? I'm kind definitely of, playing it. You are playing yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: so I think that tournament's so deep. Um, you know, it's $2,600 buy-in with 26,000 chips and 100-minute 100 100 levels. levels. Right. So... I think that's one where, obviously, the cream of the crop is going to rise. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost too good a structure. <laughs> right. um, I'm thinking about maybe late registering for that event just because it's so long. Okay. Um, but definitely uh, want to have full energy and be focused right. on that one. Um, and then I'll just play some around that one if I get knocked out early. Right. Um, you know, There's obviously plenty of events. Millions of tournaments right. are going on. Do you right. play cash at all? I do.
0: Okay, so if you get knocked out, would you play cash, or would you probably would. try to find another tournament? No, I,
1: you know, I'd probably a mixture of both, depending yeah. on what's out there and what time I get knocked out. Okay. Um, and, you know, relative to what's playing for a tournament.
0: Right. And so I was looking a little bit at your, your Hinden Mob, which sure. people have different opinions on, on mm-hmm. that, but some pretty good pretty good stuff out there for you. Yeah. Uh, for, for a guy who just plays once a week or whatever, <laughs> uh, all-time money, $218,000. Uh, your best, 108000 which is interesting to me because that was just this past fall december or just winter december yeah so you you won an mspt at canterbury right right and now here you are the next this is the next time it was at canterbury right second place yes
1: so I was trying to go back back-to-back back. yeah we're pretty disappointed yeah. in you yeah I know
0: that was where you let us all down. <laughs> <laughs> well that's a but seriously now obviously there's a variance plays a part sure. of this but sure. that's pretty exciting to go to go back to back first second, it is no uh, take 170k out of very, the excited. MSPT prize very pool. excited
1: about the result
0: okay and then uh, I see your all-time money rank in Minnesota is 107 uh, anyway, great great stats out there for you. Um, I, I did see a lot of the Canterbury 180 dollar, all those the wins Crap. out there. So sure. uh, not everything, but pretty good numbers for a guy who plays just once in a while. Yeah. So do you feel like your game is continually getting better? Do you feel like you've peaked? What?
1: Uh, I would say it's continually getting better. Um, there was a stretch where I just ran super bad for like yeah. two and a half years. Yeah, I mean literally, and it was. You know, I'd get it in with kings against queens, and queen yeah. would come. You know, just everything that poker players go through. Right. Um, where, you, you know, you just you expect the inevitable, and it happens. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's the game, right? And it's so good for people to hear this. We've had
0: several people talk about that. You know, I'm a statistics guy, so I can understand variance, and I right. can understand distributions, and I can understand if it's 10% of the people paid, yeah. you're going to go through 15, 20 tournaments right. without cashing or more. Right. You know, but I think yeah. for a lot of people, that's really hard for them to, to accept. Yeah. And so, you know, for you, if it's two and a half years of just feeling like you're in this drought, how did you emotionally handle that? Did you kind of go into the logical side and just say, well, this is going to happen? Correct. Or did you quit playing for a while? Well, no, how did you handle um, that?
1: I have a good support group. I mean, I've met a lot of great friends through poker. Yeah, um, for sure. So it's that's been really great. But more just, you know, I, I was told you can't be results-oriented. And, it, yeah. there, you know, like you say, it's... That's pretty much what you have to stick with, and just kind of play your game, and you know, hopefully it turns around because right. it's,
0: and it has, yeah, correct. <laughs> but yeah, getting kings against queens, <laughs> you're gonna take that every time. in right. Reality, you are gonna lose. Right. One out of five of those, right. or whatever the number is. Right. Right. Okay, so you just kind of kept plugging. Now, are you? I know you have uh, some quantitative uh, background. Are you somebody that tracks everything? Or no, okay. no, not really. No. Okay. No. No, I'm always curious I how people do. Yeah. It. I, I but, track everything, but I'm always curious yeah. if other people are doing the same yeah. thing.
1: But I mean, obviously, my job is evaluating risk. so I think a lot of that carries over at the poker table, where you're yeah evaluating lots of factors. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So, so, so that's why I
1: probably enjoy the game too. Yeah.
0: yeah. But you seem like a social guy. I know you. Had, yeah. You no, some fun I all I like to Africa have fun and, at the yeah. table,
1: and uh, you know, and I I try to. I mean, I think it's important to like win, lose, or draw with grace and have mm-hmm. fun. And I'm usually smiling at the table regardless of yeah. what happens.
0: Well, and part of that is if you understand variance, it's a little bit easier right. as well. But right. it, it can be frustrating right. for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Especially in big spots. Yeah. But So if you look at the success that you've had over the last 10 years, well, you've right. had failure too. You've had mm-hmm. success. I mean, obviously right now we're talking about the peak of the peak. I mean, right. back-to-back for a second, 160K, all these things. Right. But looking at your game in its entirety – what would you say are the, the keys for why you're successful or why your game is improving? Like, What are those things that you do or how you approach the game that you feel like these are actually the critical things for whatever success I've had? Uh, well,
1: I think staying the course, like I stated, you know, just keep plugging away. Um, I think patience is a huge part of the game. So you have to be patient. Um, you can't try so, to force things. Yeah, say and, more about that. Well, I mean, so I mean, it's obviously easy if you take a bad beat um, to just go on tilt, go on right? Tilt. Yep. So, you know, you need to try to keep composed and you know still stay the course and mm-hmm. you know play your game. I, mean, I see so many players where they do go on tilt, yeah, <laughs> right, for sure, and it's yeah. very apparent. And you know, not to say that that I haven't, you know. And maybe internally, I go on tilt, right? But I, I try to stay even keel.
0: So, do you have any anything that you do mentally to help you avoid tilt, or is that more of your personality? I think it's such... more my personality
1: and just uh-huh. trying to have a positive outlook on everything. I'm more of a glass half full guy versus yeah. you know, glass half empty. You know yeah. how yeah. you see it so many times where players pretty much defeat themselves or, you know, they'll get it in a hand and say, oh, you're going to hit your card. Well, if you're thinking that way. So the power of positive thinking has a lot to do with it, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Okay. Uh, Some people are just negative thinkers Are are, are self-defeating that way. Yeah,
0: and I don't know how much that actually parlays into the practical. Some people say it does, some people say it doesn't. But I think even to the point that it affects your behavior and your appreciation for the game and your attitude toward the game – you know, if you're going in always thinking, I'm always going to get sucked out on, whether that actually changes something you do more often, I don't know. Right. But it certainly, I think it pe- impacts you emotionally, and I think you, it can drive you to play suboptimally because I, I've seen people be afraid to get it in with top two pair. Right, right. You know, in a spot where clearly you got to get it in mm-hmm. because they just know the person's going to hit yeah. the flush. Yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. and so you start playing, I think, suboptimally right. as a result. In my
1: opinion, too, I don't think you can play this game with fear. No, you know, mm. you have to – I'm going to quote Vic Pepe here. Sure. This he, is his quote. <laughs> he says he's going to get T-shirts made out of this too. Nice. He says uh, you have to go there to get there. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> if you're not willing to take the risk, you know, it's a risk-reward type of thing, you know. Yeah. So yeah. – Obviously, he plays an aggressive style. And... Well, and
0: Vic is willing to go there, and he always gets there with me. So that's... <laughs> there you go. Well, actually, he just he just knows I'm always bluffing. That's yeah. the thing. One yeah. of the, one of these days, Vic, I'm actually
1: gonna have it. <laughs> He always tells me, you get you your he's hand the in the bluff, cookie jar again. bluff catcher. He's the bluff catcher. Yeah, yes, he called yes, me down with yeah. bottom No, pair. he won't. And, he and that's, right. that's <laughs> part of his game, too. Yeah. That's obviously adapting to the players, too, is well, that's a big right. part of the game. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah,
0: He's not he's not calling down everybody with bottom pair. Right. But he'll call me down with I bottom mean, pair. There are certain people yeah. I
1: know I can bluff with a right. high degree of probability that's going to be successful. And there's some that, you know, it's pretty much zero
0: and so how quickly can you pick up on that at the table obviously you have experience with the number of players you already know that but when you're playing a tournament you're encountering new people all the time how quickly can are you able to identify these okay this is somebody that i can bluff this is somebody that boy if they're in the hand they probably got the i mean there's a lot of
1: things um i mean obviously there's body tells there's i mean you have to pay attention to the hand histories right i Mm -hmm. mean you can gather a lot of information just paying attention to the hands they're playing yep um
0: do you tend to remember those
1: things, or
0: let, let's say, for example, you know, a specific hand happens and somebody does a specific action, they do it again. Um, are you remembering those specific actions, or are those things something you're putting to memory and just helping build a profile of that person in general? No,
1: I try to actually remember it for okay. the short wow. term. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's one of the things that a lot of us less experienced players feel overwhelmed by, because we'll hear people talk about, oh, I remember this, and I remember this, and I remember this, right. and they, you know, they opened seven times, and four times they had, you know, whatever those things are, and right. it, it feels so overwhelming yeah. for some of us. We're like, we throw our hands in the air and say, I, I don't know.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: but so you you have the capability, at least, to remember a lot more maybe than others, and and then the key is not just remembering it, because I, I say this all the time, like, I can notice, ooh, I noticed there they went to Forex. Instead of three X, and here's what that means. But then thirty minutes later, I forgot right. <laughs> what that actually meant. Yeah, so you have exactly. to be able to recall it as right. well. Right,
1: and, and in and certain spots, correct.
0: Okay, so that's something that you—that's a tool that you utilize. I do. Okay, so mm-hmm. thinking about the final table right. that just happened this last yeah. weekend, I was able to watch some of it, but okay. then... Sometime, I wasn't
1: able to watch it yet.
0: Okay, well, yeah. you, you did pretty well. You got second. <laughs> spoiler alert. Okay. Um, I was able to watch it a little bit, and I saw you get you got rivered at one point. Right. Uh, I think you had seven against the queen. queen. Yeah, the yeah, okay. queen of the river, yeah. Yeah. and you know, watching yeah. you handle that, you were smiling, you were laughing the whole time, and I mean, obviously, not fun, Right. You know, but I saw your attitude seem to continue the same way. Right again is that is that something that you you trained yourself to do or that's just you just see poker as I can't take it as seriously or
1: right I or think what, a combination of both of those and I mean you can't change the outcome right I mean for me it's getting it in good mm-hmm. and then whatever happens after is the focus on the decision decision right yep yeah so okay I mean I'll take sevens against ace queen all day right yeah. Well,
0: you will be interesting to see uh, what, what your thoughts are as you watch it and see some of the other players' actions. There's a, a couple players that I thought were doing some really interesting mm-hmm. things, some tight folds. I think you'll be
1: interested to see yeah. some of that. And then piggybacking on that is, you know, there was a lot of spots there where I, I felt I was ahead, but I didn't want to coin flip against who, the opponents for my tournament, you know, on the line. There.
0: So say more about that. What, what went into that? Was it ICM considerations in terms of the payout structure? Or you felt like you had an edge that you could outplay them if you didn't just take, you didn't I, need to take yeah, flips?
1: Exactly. I would say, yeah, I mean the chip values and then you know being able to maybe outplay them in the long run. Yeah, um, And then just getting it in, in better spots where I feel I'm more of a favorite.
0: So you had enough chips where you could say, I can wait for a better spot. Right, right. So, I mean,
1: there was a hand against Loki. I, mean, I felt I was pretty good with the jack. I think I believe I had top pair. Okay. But there was a combo draw out there. Yeah. With a straight and a flush draw. Uh, I think he opened bad I 3x, and then he went all in. And, I mean, th- that's a prime example of, like, right. I know I'm ahead, but stati- statistically speaking, he's... Yeah. He might. He's got a lot of equity there, right? One draw or the other, or maybe right. both, right? And and mm-hmm. then if he gets there, then I'm out. Yeah. Know? So. Okay. And that was five or six handed. Okay. I don't think I made it quite that far, okay. so I'll go back and watch the rest yeah. of that. But. Yeah.
0: So looking at looking at that, so other, you know, I guess this is embedded sort of in your success, but as you play the 180s or you play these 1100s, clearly there's going to be buckets of mistakes that you see people making all the time. The, the less experienced players. Can you talk a little bit about that like what do you see as the biggest mistakes people are making or categories of big mistakes that you see? Mm,
1: well, I would top of the list probably bet sizing. Um, you have people 20x raising pre yeah. <laughs> when the blinds are you know right 25 50 or 50 hundred. So I would say that's probably the top one. So do you
0: um, see that even in the the 180s and the 1100s? Some, somewhat, really? yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I have see
1: players where they have aces and they're like, "I'm not losing with those." Yeah. But right, you're not gonna make L- losing a lot of value. <laughs> right. Yeah, over the long run, for right. sure. Right. Yeah. right. Okay. Um, so and then just players not paying attention to the game. Um, you know, either they'll have headphones on and not know what's going on, and mm-hmm. there's a raise and. All in, and the, the player thinks he's just calling the initial raise. In. Yeah. You know, so I mean, just obvious things like that. Okay. Um, and then maybe not playing to their stack size and position.
0: Say more about that playing to your stack size. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, so if, let's say, you have three times or four times the. Um, Stack that's going all in against you. Yep, or maybe even higher. Let's just say eight times. Okay. Um, and the player goes all in, and you have them covered eight to one, ten yeah. to one, or whatever. Yep. You should call pretty much with any two cards there. Okay. And where you see a lot of players fold.
0: So why why would you say that? Because just because those chips. Well, lose.
1: mathematically speaking, too, is it, for me is like say. They probably have two face cards. So I would pretty sure. much rather have low Eight, cards six. or some live yeah. cards where okay. you're not as uh, underdog as you think. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or the equity's there for you to call with your stack size. Would that be if theirs. you
0: raise pre or are you saying just even just calling with if your last stack out of the big blind? Well. Okay, so part of that, I mean, I've heard theories. This is interesting yeah. to me because I've heard the theory of, well, you don't want to double up the, the short stack but obviously you want to build your own stack and right. knock people out, right. you know, and, and so there's, I think there's the way I think about decisions in poker, there's always all of these competing elements. There's elements that might tell you to fold and there's elements that might tell you to right. raise and there's elements that might tell you to call. So many variables. So many variables. Yeah. And so I, I feel like the decision process is really about what weight do I give to each of these and ultimately which ones do I choose? And so I'm curious in that particular decision, what, what's the key driver for you to make that call?
1: Well, it would It would also depend on, like, are we close to the money? Okay. And, you know, maybe that player wants to just squeeze into the money, too, where... So they wouldn't be shoving, shoving right. in a huge hand. Right, right. Okay. Um, Interesting. They, and then just total stack size. Um, but you're
0: looking at it more is it from from an equity right, perspective. So if you have enough chips, the utility curve is pretty flat at that point. What you lose and what you gain isn't really huge. Correct. So you're looking at it more of... If I have forty percent equity or whatever the number is or at least forty percent equity, this is a call. Right. Because of the chip the the, the pot size, size and all of those right. things. Right. Okay. So do you do that and then you see people berate you when you win the pot? And, they do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: You call with three eight off. Right. Yeah. Yes yeah. I did. <laughs> yes. yes. I did thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So other other mistakes that you see people make? Uh, I've heard, you know, miss missing their bet sizes. Is a big one. Not paying, paying attention, attention is a big
1: one. Right. Um, I mean, I think negative attitudes, or mm. you know, or people who go on tilt, right? Yep. I mean, I guess that goes hand in hand. Um, yeah. Where they're just well, some people just
0: have a negative attitude all the time, true. even if they're winning. True. <laughs> what, right. I, I, I know a few people. Right.
1: Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, I would, Okay, so you just
0: think that can drag down their game, or
1: right? And they're not playing optimally when yeah. they're doing that, right?
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree. Okay. So if you were to give advice, you've got a we have a number of people that listen to the show across the spectrum of, of experience levels. Yeah. But a lot of people are people that are playing in the bar leagues right now for free and looking to maybe move into the casinos, people playing home games moving to the casino, people playing the thirty and fifties looking to move up to the hundreds and the two eighties and mm-hmm. people moving up there to the eleven hundred. So people across the spectrum. But you know, as you have people out there listening right now that are just trying to figure out where do I pay attention what what are the things that I should pay attention to the most maybe they're covered by the mistakes that you that you already talked about but what advice would you give for people that are fairly new into the game as far as what are those things you most critically need to know you have to master this before you move on to the next thing yeah. what are well, those things? I would
1: say first and foremost is you need to have fun Hmm. I mean right for me yes because <laughs> it's a hobby for yeah. me I can be right. fishing right I choose right. to play poker and right. I want to have fun right yeah. Uh, but a lot of those things that I touched on, you know, and I think obviously the level of play is going to drastically vary from a bar league, you know, to the free to the 1100. So, you know, maybe the, you know, the smaller buy-ins is where you, you know, experiment with doing different things that aren't conventional, mm-hmm. you know, open raising with maybe a inferior hand, and kind of, you know, practicing bed sizing with, with those hand ranges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to play the $50 tournament at Canterbury a lot. And yeah. I actually had a lot of success with them. Yeah. Um, but I think I learned a lot of, you know, things just playing even those tournaments. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I played... I, I mean, generally speaking, I'm an aggressive player. Yeah. Um, which would... I mean, those... $50 tournaments don't have great structures. Right. So, you have to Right. Move. So and then you have a lot of players playing those that are playing ultra tight and it's that's not conducive to that that right. structure of a tournament where they're not adjusting their game.
0: Right. Hey, you got to go there to get there.
1: Yes. Yes, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Okay. So I think because you still see those same mistakes, you know, people not really paying attention. Their, op- their opening range is the same under the gun as it is on the button. But, right. So you see some of those things at those, the lower in tournaments. I think that's something for people to really try to pay attention to as well. So I'm going to give you a vague scenario. This is intentionally vague. Okay. Uh, Normally, when you break down a hand, you've got all of the information and you're kind of analyzing it. Right. But the reason I do this is to find out from your perspective what pieces of information are missing that you absolutely need to know or the most critical for you to make this decision. So it's intentionally vague. So here's the situation. So you are on the button. Under the gun raises. The The cutoff... I'm not going to tell you that. Oh, okay. this, is the, this is the intentional vague. Oh, okay. This is why we don't need to write anything oh, down. Okay. So, No, it's super vague. Like That might be one of your questions. But So under the gun raises, the cutoff calls, and you have ace jack. That's all I'm going to give you intentionally. Okay. Like what is missing that you absolutely have to have no to make a decision on what to do there?
1: Okay. Well, obviously what are the blinds? Uh, what's the open raise? Um, what's the stack size of the two that are... Doing the raising, um, I mean, those are most yeah. important. And then, where were you at in the tournament? With how many entries and how many are left? Um, what has been their style of play? Um, you know, have, have they been mm-hmm. opening lights? Have they been? Are they just total nits where they, <laughs> they played? You know, so let's say the open raiser has played one hand in the last hour. Right. I'm going to give him a little bit more credit than someone obviously who's open raising pretty much anywhere and often.
0: And how do you think about when you say give me more credit? Is that basically just narrowing his range? Do you do you think is your framework of thinking about a hand? Do you think about it in terms of their range, or do you just generally think they're tighter? So I should I should be no, tighter? No, their range. Yeah,
1: their range and their their how they're playing. Okay, right.
0: So you mentioned stack size. Everybody talks about stack size. So I always want to dig into that. So what does that matter? I mean, if they have 60 and you have 20 or they have 20 and you have 60, why does that matter in your decision?
1: Uh, well, it matters because what's your risk, right? Uh, you want to know and what your value you're getting um, and pot sizing, um. No, I, I, I'm notorious for always asking for chip counts when people call in because mm-hmm. I want to know exactly what my risk is yeah. relative to where the blinds are and how many chips I have versus how many they have and what's already in the pot. Mm-hmm. So you have to factor all that in.
0: Okay, so if they have you covered more risk, obviously, right. you have them covered less risk. Is that generally how you think about the stack size? In sizes? the
1: simplest form, yes. Okay,
0: does their stack size somehow change like what you'd range them on if they're if they're raising with 20 big blinds versus raising with 60? Does that change how you might range them or not really? It's more about your risk perspective. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to learn the yeah. game. I'm yeah. trying to soak all yeah. the information. Yeah. Well, that I can. And, that,
1: and that brings up another topic is I think you need to pay attention at all times on uh, stack sizes. That's a mistake that players don't. I, I mean, how many times do you see a player calls an all-in? They're like, oh, I didn't think you had that much. Well, right. that is crucial, right, before right. You, you make that decision.
0: So do you, are you um, paying attention to that all the time and having a general idea in your head of like how many big blinds people have or just who's big and who's little? Generally,
1: just rough estimates on okay. what, what the stack sizes are. Okay. First thing I do when I get moved to a table is I scan the whole table mm-hmm. and kind of get a mental... You know count of what everyone's got
0: and is that for just so you have the knowledge in general or is there something there about you move there and you go okay in general i might want to avoid that person avoid that person you know avoid the short stack, avoid the big stacks and attack the middle or is Not it just necessarily is it just general just awareness? general information yeah awareness okay because i'm always interested about this because obviously i know stack size has an impact but as I've been doing these interviews, it's always coming up, and I think um, I think for myself and some of the other less experienced players, there, there's something more there about stack size that we're not quite getting. Right. And so these these conversations are helpful, I think, for those of us who are trying to improve in our game. And I think a big thing of what we're trying to do with the Rec Poker podcast is to grow the game and right. to give people more confidence. And so these these ideas of stack size, I think, is something that's gelling with me. And maybe all the listeners are going, hey, you idiot, you still don't get it. But but for me, it's helpful to hear because right. people have little different nuanced ideas on how they think about sure. stack size. And one of the things then for me, to, as you talk about that, is I feel often like I'm on information overload. Um, as I'm trying to learn the game and trying to be involved in the game, stay engaged in the game, I feel like I'm at the table or I move to a new table, like you said, and I'm like, okay, now I need to know they have 18 big blinds, they have 24, they have 46, they have 13, they have 97, they have 48, they have 36, and somehow I'm supposed to know that. Right. And I can't even really remember how many I have without recounting every hand. <laughs> you know, And so I think there's – some people, I think, have that mental capability or capacity to do all of that. Right. I think for those of us that are struggling like, okay, I can't even remember how many chips I have, it's hard to keep track of all of sure, those things. Are, sure. Do you feel like you're able to – keep that just is that just a general you've got that yeah capacity i just have a that.
1: i guess knack for yeah retaining information and kind of hold, yeah, holding it
0: so what would you say for people that, that can't like let's say i can't remember all that stuff is should i and i know you can't relate to this because you have the capability um but should people be just generally aware of who are the big stacks and small stacks or should they just wait till they're in a hand and say okay who's left after me and then pay attention
1: to that i, I would say yeah breaking that down maybe just wait till the hand is going on and then just taking your time and yeah assessing it if it's three-handed you know obviously you just have to mm-hmm. worry about those other two
0: yeah and i think the big things are at least paying attention to who's who's likely to shove on you right are you willing to actually What what's your plan there and that's something that's come up before is how how, how do you approach having a plan in a hand i know that's one thing that keeps coming up is that one thing recreational players don't do very well it's have a plan mm-hmm. so when you enter a pot whether it's you know you're your you're flatting a raise, or you're three betting. Are you thinking all the way through, or at least I
1: try to think a couple steps ahead. Like yeah. so, I th- I mean, I think uh, poker in a lot of ways is like chess, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to, you know, stay ahead of it, and then kind of predicting what may happen based on the information you've seen. And how so you I'm doing bet sizing possibly according to that.
0: So do you, when you three bet, do you already have generally have an idea of I'm going to 3 bet fold or 3 bet call based on what other action happens with the different people that are left to act. Exactly. So you're not surprised when they shove, you can just fold. Fold, right. Cuz you've already decided you're going to fold, whereas right. I think a lot of us agonize over that right. because we know that's, you know, we we know it's possible, but when we 3 bet and somebody shoves, it shocks us. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so you're able to say, well, I've already thought this through generally generally speaking yes that sort of thing so somebody shoves four bets with 120 big blinds and yeah. you're like what's going on here right. okay so so what's coming up next now for you so you've got the world series of poker and uh, i saw it on twitter you've got a contest going do you want to right we're gonna so, we're gonna release this this coming weekend the weekend of may what are we on 6th or whatever yeah so what's the contest you got going so if you sure? yeah
1: i think it's important to give back to the Poker community. Uh, I did it actually after I won the one in December. I gave away a two hundred thirty-five dollar seat for the Wednesday event. Nice, yeah, which uh, Rodney Coulson won. Okay, I uh, saw you Okay, yeah. that's what you just, I <laughs> yeah. saw your comment. Yeah. though you can't win again. But, but that was a joke. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. right. So um, you know, I think it's good karma too to get back, and obviously kind of working (laughs) yeah it seems seems to be Um, seems to be pretty good so yeah what i'm giving away um one 250 dollar um wsop main event satellite that canterbury will be holding the next three saturdays at uh, 4 p.m
0: yeah so may 13th 20th and 27th right at four o'clock you can choose any of those choose exactly from one of those three
1: flexibility there good value uh they're guaranteeing one main event seat regardless of how many entries they get, which obviously they're going to meet their yeah. goal. Yeah. But for every additional uh, 52 entries, uh, another seat gets added. Okay. Uh, these seats are fully tra- – actually, they just give you lammers, so you, oh. you don't necessarily even need to play that. If you don't have any intention of playing the main event, uh, you can sell just it. Cash yeah, or right. use it in tournaments. Right, right.
0: Okay, very nice. So yeah. when are you doing the? Is it a drawing? I'm mean, gonna do the or? drawing
1: uh, next Friday, uh, the the 12th. Okay. The, actually, the first event will be the 13th. Okay. So. So
0: how do you uh, how do people enter this drawing? Oh, so
1: yeah, um, my Twitter handle is uh, Jonathan J O N A T H A N K and then Kim K I M. Yep. Uh, you just have to favorite and retweet um, my host, and you'll be put in, put in the drawing. That's very generous of you. Thank you. Thank very you. nice.
0: And you get 10% of whatever they win, right? No. no, no I'm no, just no, kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No strings, attached, kidding no strings no. attached. No strings attached. No, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Very Thanks. generous. Thanks. All right. So now thinking about, uh, I want to transition a little bit to your game, and I assume you're always trying to improve. Correct. Are you doing things off the felt to try to improve, or are you just gaining experience on the felt? Um... Mm. You're busy. I know you're busy. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Besides
1: being interviewed for, you know. I mean, I find for myself is I need to be, you know, have full energy, relaxed, and right frame of mind to play the game too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if there's stress going on in my life or uh, other things I'm preoccupied with, yeah, generally I don't play the game. That's it's good just, discipline. Right. So, and I think a lot of players don't. Um, practice that mm-hmm. so I think you know you need to eat a healthy diet exercise you know mm-hmm. have your mindset 100% mm-hmm. um, so I, I try doing that and other outside of that no not really because not you're not really, listening to podcasts you're not uh, reading not really, books you know and crunching this numbers is, I've never read a poker book yeah honestly yeah. So, so I've been just I just play
0: so are you a uh, obviously some var- positive variance, but you don't have this kind of result with positive variance. You've got some skill, clearly, right. uh, and uh, clearly on what's going on here. So, you know, you're disciplined and those things, but are you, you know, you're very logical. I mean, what is that key? I'm, I'm trying to, we've, we've already talked about this question, but I'm trying to dig in there. Like, what, what is it in you that makes you a good player? Is it just because you're disciplined and logical and you can able look at the right EV decision in all cases and you can think ahead of what that might be, or what's going on there? We all want this. Man. You know, we all want to go first and second in the MSPT. Right, and, right. Um, you
1: yeah. you think it's a just good, a, just a, a gift, question. just the way you're wired? No, and... you know, it's... I mean, I think I, I've earned a lot of respect at the fell, too. For where, sure. So, I mean, I can use that to my advantage at times. So, I mean, each situation is going to be different, but, uh, you know, like, for instance, at the final table... Uh, i I believe I opened with ace jack uh ace queen three bet and then I went all in he's got most of his stack in there yeah. where I, that should be an auto call right right but he folded mm-hmm. um and he tanked for a long time so I don't know like right away at the table before the term said they're like oh past m s p t champ and you know right? they're knocking yeah. me up you bet. Um, it's a great they story said, they said they were going back to play. so I don't know if that had something to do with mm-hmm. it and he's like well he's obviously he <laughs> wouldn't do this to anyone right, right so there is an example okay um, and you know just
0: so, so you think using potentially that potentially there's some additional fold equity from being a, a known player correct correct people want to avoid the pots with you I mean I suppose it works sometimes the opposite way where people want
1: to think you oh but right. that's probably earlier in the tournament correct correct okay yeah Interesting. So,
0: are were you a, were you a game player before you got into poker? Have, have you always applied your logic in terms of whether it's chess or other strategic logic types
1: games? Uh, no, not really. Does Monopoly count? Sure. Yeah, because okay. yeah, that's a super high skill. There, you'd have to introduce some new, ro- Battle, new rules. Battle Battleship.
0: To, yeah, right. To, not Risk. You don't. a Risk player. Uh yeah. Played a little All Risk. Right. All right. Yeah. yeah. How would how would um. How about competitiveness? Do you consider yourself a highly competitive person?
1: You know, on a scale of one to ten, probably like maybe a seven. Okay. Yeah. So, so do you? For hate... me, it's more about having fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm trying to reconcile that. You know, you know, obviously you've got some natural ability there too, but often you hear about people that are successful because they have just on a sheer will, or it's just sheer you know learning and applying. Or it's just they're just ultra competitive, mm-hmm. or they've got a history of playing all of these different logic games. Yeah. Um, for you, what I, I like about it is just it's, you know, you're, you're a guy that's a business guy out there playing poker, having fun, getting to know people. Clearly, you're a very bright guy and you can apply those things. But I love the story of that. Right. Because it doesn't feel like you have to be a pro and spend hundreds of hours preparing. You can just go out there and have fun and. Right. Right. And, and be disciplined yeah.
1: it brings up another point when you say uh, how do players improve is there's uh, so many players out there that don't adjust their game they play the same style of play mm-hmm. and you know to improve your game you have to change your game right mm-hmm. yeah um, you know I, maybe you're just way too tight okay you only play aces or kings right Right. So you have to widen that range and, like, you know, be willing to take the risk-reward. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of players that complain, oh, I never have chips. Well.
0: Right. Because <laughs> the only time you play a hand, everybody folds. Right. Because they know exactly. you exactly.
1: So I, I think for, you know, those early, you know, the more beginning player levels, it's, it is learning to adjust your game and also recognizing what needs to be maybe tweaked in your game.
0: Yeah. Right. So do you have other players that you have, like, a smaller community with that you talk about hands quite a bit? or? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. cool. I mean, that, that seems yeah. like that's a common yeah. thread yeah. Yeah. as well. So after tournaments or whatever, you'll right. break down hands with them. That's right. Right. Okay. a
1: good support group, too, you know. You know. For sure. Yeah. Ball been there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. so, so as you think back on the last MSPT, there's different stages of the tournament. Can you give us a high-level overview of, I guess your chip stack and how it went or how you were maybe adjusting your play from early on to middle stages to end of day one day two can you give us a, a framework of how that tournament played out for you was it one of those tournaments where geez it was just kind of pretty easy you know that's, yeah. no it I, wasn't easy okay you know I mean, because sometimes you have those <laughs> right, tournaments where right. it just feels like the deck hit me in the head or i was never really at risk and sometimes you've got to grind and make decisions what was it like for you
1: yeah i mean i think these big tournaments it always comes down to a couple hands for big pots mm-hmm. and you know it's that's where you can kind of propel yourself um so a big hand just this past weekend was i had kings um babe gorman had queens uh, i i open raised he went all in obviously i call mm-hmm. but i flapped two kings <laughs> so he was drawn dead right, right. so right. it's Spots like that where you know, let's just say you he hits the queen right. and I don't hit any kings, right? You know, and that's I'm pretty much out of the tournament. So it's those kinds of spots where you have to hold and yep. go your way, yep. to propel you.
0: So did um, you have a did you have a big stack at any point in time, or were you I, always kind of chasing?
1: Ah, uh, well, so actually, I I got down to like twenty seven thousand chips. Early in day two. In day two? Yeah. And the blinds were... I mean, 5,000 No, blinds were 1,500, 3,000. Okay. So, so nine not, bigs. Yeah, not many bigs. And, yeah, I just kind of had to grind to get back to you okay. know, an average. I start. remember seeing
0: an occasional tweet that would say, boom, yeah, boom, so in the like 700K, 900K. Right, right.
1: So, yeah, obviously I steadily <laughs> was increasing. Did you have to put yourself at risk quite a bit there? Or were you able to steal enough? E- early of- on, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, I actually, when it came down to, like, three tables, um, no, I, I wasn't really at risk. I wasn't right. really going all in either. Mm-hmm.
0: I think you talked about your kings holding up against queens. Obviously, flopping quads right. helps. They, they say there's always a sweat. Right. Not so much right. there. Yeah. But I think one of the things people lose track of is they, they think about variance in poker as always the river suckouts, But variance has so many different forms. Your kings have to hold against queens, but... Even just having somebody have queens when you have kings. Right. It's and how all often about do you pro- raise with It's about timing, correct? Yeah. I mean you yeah. raise with kings and everybody folds. You know, that, get in the Max value, right. 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 And so I think that's where, you know, luck plays yeah. so many different parts of this game. Right. <laughs> you know. Okay. Yeah. Well we can we can wrap up here pretty quick, but I wanna know, is there any anything you want to share, any advice that you have for people that are either learning the game or uh, people that have been playing the MSPTs. Yeah, think about this, like people playing the MSPTs and they haven't cashed or 0 for 10 right, or right. whatever it is. And you know, sure. just, they look at you and they're like, dude, this isn't fair. You know, yeah. what what advice or what uh, support or what sure, encouragement sure. would you have for, for sure. people that are trying to take their game to the next right. level?
1: I would say, you know, just stay the course. Um, I would definitely examine your game. I mean, it's important to have an open mind about your game and, you know, make adjustments if, you know, you can recognize, I guess. Those items. Um, I mean, poker coaching, I guess, you know, can obviously help too. Have
0: you done any poker coaching? I have not. Okay. No. Okay. Does Just,
1: anyone need a one? No. <laughs> well, that was the, you know, you want to strike with well, the iron tot. It's
0: like somebody that wins the lottery, then they sell a book on how to choose the right numbers. Right. Right. You, right. Could, right. you know, you right. win, do back-to-backs here. It'd be a good time for, yeah. for that. But you haven't have accepted coaching either? You don't have a poker coach or any not, of those pieces? I have not.
1: No. Okay. But. Yeah, I think, like I said, have fun. Um, you know, it's a game at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know.
0: Yeah, we're finance guys. We talk a lot about you know ROI and return on equity and return on investment and these things for poker because it is a hobby for me. Right. I look at return on enjoyment. Right. So you know if, if I'm going to go play tournaments, that's part of why I only play within a range, a price range where I feel comfortable, right. where it's right. not so much money where I feel like ooh, right. those sorts of yeah. things. But you know how much enjoyment am I getting for the dollars that I'm spending on that? Right. And I do think that helps you. Keep things in perspective when you're at the poker table. Right, right.
1: And like I said, um, I think it's important to be in a healthy state of mind. Um, you know, don't have all this stress going on or, right. you know, your, your mind's not right to yeah. play.
0: And, and I, I will do that because for me, playing poker starts with my schedule. When am I able to? Right. And if I'm able to, even if something's messed up at work or with a relationship or, right. you know, I'll still go play because I can Yeah. And I, my, I know my results are far worse than because I'm thinking about these other things or the stress right. of the job right. or right. whatever that might yeah. be. Well, I just want to say as we as we wrap up, I want to thank you for who you are at the tables, representing the poker community. Um, we've talked about this other shows where um, some of us will go play some of the bigger dollar buying tournaments. And clearly, we're less experienced. We might not know what we're doing. We might make bad plays. And there are occasions where you'll get berated or... You, know, you feel like they're making fun of you for busting the way you did, right, right. those sorts of things. And um, it, it's very disincentivizing to go back and play again. Absolutely. And the reality is those better, more experienced players should want us no, exactly, playing the game. exactly. And so uh, I want to thank you for, I guess, how you represent the game, right. but also how you make yeah. those of us less experienced players, even if you might be in the, on the inside going, ooh, I don't know, uh, but making us feel welcome. Right. And, and right. I think the right. Minnesota poker community, I don't know other poker communities, right. but the Minnesota one seems to be pretty good They're by very, and large I think it's very good.
1: And, and I try to be an ambassador to the game. You know, and I think it's important too. Yeah, exactly. What you're saying is, you want to grow the game. You don't want to scare people off from playing, right? Um, you know, if they're having fun, that's to me is the bottom line. That's
0: great if they're making bad calls. <laughs> encourage us. That, right. I mean, what else do you want? <laughs> right, you know, right. right?
1: And especially in cash games, you see so many players B rating. Really? Like, yeah, and you really you want that yeah they got lucky right yeah and you don't want them you want them to call
0: that every time times, you just don't right. want them to hit right but if they call it every time you should come out way ahead yeah, exactly yeah. yeah okay well thanks again for your time i appreciate no, it i know no you're problem. at the end of a busy work day and on no your way problem. home and no problem appreciate that yeah thanks well, for having me i'd love to touch base with you later to break down specific hands if you're open to that sure sure okay so we'll sure. circle back on that deal yeah. all right all right thanks Thank john you. yeah all right well once again thanks to john kim for taking the time to interview with us Congratulations on your deep MSPT runs lately and best of luck going forward. You can find us on Twitter at Poker. You can join the Facebook group, Poker and you can connect with us in a variety of other ways, so feel free to do that. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me directly, Fredland at gmail.com. Happy to take any feedback you have or answer any questions that you have. Take any suggestions that you have. Uh, as we go forward so looking forward now uh, next week we will be having uh, an interview with mike schneider and then going forward from there i'm not sure the order but we definitely have a lot of great interviews lined up including hunter sitchie and others as we look forward to the summer in las vegas for many of you guys out there so with that thanks again to the free Poker network have a good week